Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, friends. Hello, listeners. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me today. I have had a wonderful day yesterday because I discovered some scrapbooks that took me down a winding detour on some long forgotten paths. I had such fun. I don't know why I hadn't seen these before, but they were scrapbooks instead of photo albums. And so I guess I didn't look at them for photographs because I was thinking, oh, they probably just have newspaper clippings and other things in them, wacky packages and whatnot. But they were full of photographs from my college days and high school days. And I had such a good time texting photos to my cousins and my friends and engaging in delightful reminiscences. And I was so happy and proud of myself that I allowed that time without berating myself in disgust for time wasted. It was equally valuable to this journey that I'm on. And I am reaching out both to the past and the future and hoping to capture and recapture the moments that bring me closer to understanding myself and this life that I've led. I'm on a bridge now between what was and what's to come And as I survey my possessions each day, deciding what to keep and store and what to pass on, I become more and more certain and reassured that those things which are essential to the next part of my journey will not cost me extra and overweight baggage fees because I carry them in my heart and in my mind. I can take them out and try them on and laugh over them and feel their warmth simply by writing a few lines of text to a friend or calling a loved one. The joy and love that I know now can be with me wherever I am in the sound of a familiar voice. At the same time, I'm keenly aware that some voices are missing now, in particular two people whose memories would have helped me recall this period in my life when my daughter was newly hatched a period characterized by sleep deprivation and therefore not recorded in journals because there was no time. But perhaps Dave would not remember with more clarity than I can summon because he was suffering under the same debilitating lack of sleep. It's a wonder that more babies don't die from the blatant ignorance and chronic brain fog of their young parents. But as the pediatricians often joked with me in those early days, babies bounce. (laughs) Lucky for me. That shift from pregnancy to parenthood is one of those giant thresholds that no one is ever truly prepared for. I don't care how many books you read on all kinds of aspects of pregnancy and then how to care for that newborn infant or how much advice you seek out. The individual experience of parenthood is going to shock your system to the core. 
It's like when you first get pregnant, people want to tell you what it's like, but their words never quite match your experience. No matter. As you go along, you make your own way, and eventually you feel in control of all the new things happening inside you, and, at least for me, you get to a point where you think, I got this. I can do this pregnancy thing all day. I rock. I am a pregnancy goddess. But pregnancy must end one day. And that's when the gods have their big laugh. So again, you are kicked back to square one, holding this squalling, hungry, poopy mess that weighs the merest eight pounds and yet is beating the crap out of you every fucking day. And all your smug mastery of your universe has gone out the window and you are incompetent and terrified that the little creep will break or starve or end up covered in some incurable full body rash that will leave it scarred and disfigured for life and you will have to hide it away in some dark backyard shed, an endless living monument to your colossal hubris. Or was that just me? All I can say is, thank God we forget this stage by the time a couple of years have passed or every person on the planet would be an only child. The biggest source of my overwhelming sense of incompetence came from something that I had very little control over and which no one else besides my tiny infant could help me with, and that was breastfeeding. Let me say at the start that my 38 Ds had been a source of anxiety for years. When they first started developing, I was mortified and I tried to ignore them. And then my grandmother took me to buy bras, which I told you about a while back, and that was agony. They attracted unwanted attention in high school that led to many stupid choices on my part. And now they were betraying me yet again by not even performing their most essential function. For God's sake. Just as I had imagined all things going smoothly with the birth process, so too I thought that breastfeeding was just something that happened without effort. The pieces fit together and the mechanics just work as nature intended. I mean, mountain gorilla moms don't have to get hooked up to some giant humming machine that sucks their whole boob into a cone-shaped tube to stimulate milk production. The whole process was horrifying. Although my breasts had swelled to the size of 10 Grinches plus two, my milk wasn't coming in. They were painful to touch, heavy to carry, revolting to look at, and infuriatingly useless. Every time I tried to feed Savannah, I ended up weeping and begging, and she ended up exhausted and falling asleep hungry once more. They told me to give her water from a bottle so that she would stay hydrated, and ultimately I came to see that those moments of calm, where she sucked the water happily and then fell asleep in my arms, were infinitely more pleasant and rewarding than what was transpiring between our bodies. Finally, with a deep sense of shame about my perceived inability, I conceded that it was better for this poor baby to just feed her from a bottle and not worry about whether breast milk was the best thing for her. She would survive this deplorable inadequacy of mine, survive being the operating word. I couldn't bear to think of her going hungry. As I am, as I have said, someone who delights in feeding people. I finally mixed up that first batch of formula. Back then, the powdered stuff that you mixed up with boiling spring water and then cooled down was the only kind that was available. Savannah sipped it slowly as her sucking muscles were still not as strong as they could be. But when it was done, she slept for four hours. This was the longest sleep she had had in two weeks of life. 
and Dave and I sat and watched her, amazed as she was peacefully breathing, her face serene in dreamless bliss. I don't think I even remembered to nap that first time as I was too busy mixing up more of the blessed elixir. It was just about at this threshold where Savannah was two weeks old and finally having a decent meal that we got a terrible phone call one evening. Mom was calling from my aunt's house where the family was gathering because Laura's fiance, Bruno, had committed suicide. I scooped up Savannah and Dave and I went over to my aunt's. Mom and Pat and Aunt Minnie were teary-eyed and red-faced as they shared the meager details of the story that they had, the main gist of which was that he had left Laura a note and then walked out of their apartment and two blocks down the street to the nearby metro station where he threw himself in front of an oncoming train. It was absolutely unthinkable and just devastating to all of us. And all I can remember as an image from then was looking at the dining room table at my aunt's house where there were stacks of wedding invitations that were being assembled and getting ready to send out for the wedding that was to happen in September. My aunt turned to me at one point and she said, in bewilderment, you knew, you knew something, meaning that I had talked to her about not wanting Laura to marry this man. And I thought, you all knew. You just didn't want to see. But I didn't say that to her at the time because it was too painful. But it became a source of real anger for me in the weeks to come. In any case, mom and my aunt had decided that they were going to go over to Paris right away to be with Laura. And they were going to fly on the Concorde to get there. After some discussion with Dave, I decided that I really wanted to go too and be there for Laura at this horrible, horrible time. And the only way that I could do this was because Patty and Dave would be taking care of Savannah. And the only way that that was possible was because Savannah was finally drinking from a bottle. The horrible, long-avoided baby formula proved to be a saving grace in this moment. And I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.